shows that actually like sometimes it's just a moment and it's quite nice to actually just experience it rather than capture it. Hey Wiki Hunters, good morning and welcome to the Art of Photography podcast. Sorry, it's too early for myself. Um, but yeah, today, today we have some um, really, really exciting um, um, guests here. Um, it's Will and Will flew all the way from um, England. Is that right? That's where? That's right. Fantastic. And um, yeah, he's a... Um, he's, uh, passionate landscape lifestyle and adventure photographer and he, one of the thing that he love is to go out especially during winter um you know obviously you can't ski on the on the summer um <laughs> but yeah go out during winter and actually take all his camera and gear to capture those wicked you know moments and uh, adventure so all right well welcome will how, how are you doing today i'm good thanks dan how you doing yeah, Thanks doing well. Yeah, so um, yeah, today we're gonna talk about the election a little bit. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, when you say that, I thought it was a, it might be a, a good way to start. But um, yeah, man, like I just want to talk to you about like um photography a little bit, and um, how, how did you actually fall in love with photography? You um. So um, I think for me, I got it originally from uh, sort of my grandfather and my father. Uh, both of them had a passion, whether it was shooting film and slides back in the 50s through to the 70s. Like um, I grew up looking at old photographs that we'd sit and have movie nights. But um, that entailed me sitting with a bag of chips and um, looking at 500 slides that my dad took in Greece in the 70s and uh, just sort of realizing when he had hair and a beard. So uh, I think it maybe started there. And then um, uh, as uh, as I got older, I actually used to start using my dad's equipment. He's always shot with Nikon ever since film. So uh, I got a feel for that and the usability within my hands and everything. And uh, that became just what I was used to. Uh, and then 2016, uh, we, uh, I just got back from living in Austria where I'd been using one of my dad's cameras and I was like, right, so that time we should probably stop mooching off him and, uh, get myself a, a real setup. So, um, I, uh, I purchased my first DSLR. It was the best I could afford at the time. I bought my D750, so full frame Nikon and, uh, yeah, went from there, went straight to Iceland on a trip with family and started shooting and uh, yeah, just like for me, I've always been uh, into sort of hiking and backcountry and skiing and everything. So it was a nice fit to be able to just sort of, for me, create some memories really as to um, specific situations I'd be in out in the wilderness and um, it just sort of developed from there really. So do you, um, do you ever learn from your like dad, like how to, um, you know, um, use the camera and, um, you know, get into photography or do you pretty much, um, self thought a lot of this, um, these skills? Um, I would say I definitely picked up some things from him. He certainly has an eye for it. Um, his eye is definitely different to mine, but even looking at his shots that, developed as he started moving from film to digital and his cameras got better like i could see 
things like rule of thirds that just he did without even thinking about it, um, which I suppose translated into me as just to how I viewed photography to be because that was my direct influence. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the skills I think is something that you develop over the time. We're all still learning. Only this week I was learning how to do a new blending mask style for ski photography, which I've never tried before. But, you know, I think it's that's the beauty of it, that you can um, continually develop on layer upon layer. It's just like a stack of pancakes and everybody just wants more. So you just got to keep sort of racking them up. And the, the more you get, the more you fall in love with the the uh, the art of photography I think yeah no for sure like um yeah the reason why I asked that was um it's actually quite funny when I um when I started or before I started photography um it was the same my dad and my uncle is really into photography and I didn't think I would ever get into it and I was I used to always like you know every time they say something about photography and just like you know what it's like that's something I never got into and uh yeah, here mm -hmm. I am. I found myself inside photography world, so it's really funny to see that. Yeah. So, what, what what makes you um like um what makes you um love um adventure landscape and um, lifestyle photography compared to you know any other photography like portrait, for example, or wildlife, etc. Um. <sighs> I would say for me, probably one of the biggest things is there's no outdoor, outside pressure from anybody else. You're not having to meet anybody else's expectations, which I think can be a really hard thing. I've, I've helped a couple of people out with weddings or portraits, for example, and the only person that's going to moan at me if I take a lifestyle shot out might be my girlfriend and she'd be like, oh, you know, you, you didn't really take me well from that angle, but like I can kind of deal with that feedback. Uh, but <laughs> I think when it comes to somebody's big day and they're spending thousands of dollars marrying somebody, hopefully for the first and last time, you want to make sure that that day is perfect for them and you mess it up, you mess that one moment, then um, I think that's definitely a lot of pressure. So for me, like always being in the outdoors, like my mom and dad used to hike me around as a child, whether it was in a backpack and then as soon as I could walk, they would carry your own lunch, that's it, go on. Um, so I've always been involved in uh, sort of being in the outdoors and it just, it was a nice parallel to be able to sort of marry up and, uh, blend two hobbies that I actually always enjoy. Um, but I would definitely say that that's the main thing that the only pressure that you're going to put on you, um, like sort of into landscape and adventure photography is yourself. The worst case scenario, you like, right, walk back up, do it again. Like, Obviously, there's challenges with light. We were just discussing about sunrises and sunsets, and that's definitely when you need to be a little bit more dialed in. But if you're just going out for a hike and if you get some shots, you get some shots. I think that's it. You've just got to be content with the fact that you're out in the outdoors and you're enjoying yourself. And if you capture an image, perfect. If you don't, then don't try and force it. Yeah, that's that's great. Like um, I think that is that is the big thing about photography, Um, you know, to be – to be perfectly honest, like, um, you know, ever since I kind of take this uh, more um, professional and like, you know, I want to make uh, money off photography, like there was time where I was pressured to like take a certain photo and it was like, you know, just like, oh, you got to get out and get this perfect shots. But, you know, we all do it because we enjoy it, isn't it? Like we do it because we love taking photo and, mm -hmm. 
at the end of the day, like sometimes you just got to shoot for yourself. So I'm glad that you say that. I, that's totally resonates with me. Yeah, that's cool. And um, I think the fact. Yeah. Go, so no, go ahead. Now you go first. It's <laughs> all good. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say like for you, obviously now you're introducing your online platform and everything. And there's a, a pressure to create sort of content on a regular basis for your wicked hunters. Um, do you find that that makes it um, more difficult for you to stay genuine? Um, it's not, not in a personal level, but in terms of your photography or that you have to always focus on creating new content and something different. Um, and are you having to almost sort of create that or can you just go out and find these moments that just kind of happen? Well, actually, like, it, it's very interesting that you mentioned that. It's actually a bit of both because, um, you know, it, like, to begin with, it was like, it's kind of like, um, um, like I say, like, sometimes I have that pressure to create something just so dramatic or something that's, you know, like the things that, um, you know, that might go viral or stuff like that. And um, there was a stage where I was actually into that process and I was just like, man, I'm going to burn out soon. And um, I kind of take that back uh, a, a little bit more. And I was like, wow, you know, this is crazy. I, I like photography because it was like a time between that I have between me and the nature and my camera. It was like a man, meditation almost, right? So mm -hmm. when, when I kind of realized that, I, I go back a little bit um, less about trying to fit the expectation and more about, you know, it's like, I'm just doing it for, for, um, you know, for the love of it. And if, um, people kind of not enjoying, um, that process in, in my photography and in, um, in my kind of business, um, venture, then, you know, that's okay too. Cause you know, I, I definitely can't, the, the one thing that I, I realized was I can't make everyone happy. Right. But, um, so, luckily so you I like, realized the better. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, it's like, I just gotta, I just gotta, you know, count my losses, you know, it's fine. Um, but it's, um, cause the thing is just like yourself, I love to go out and, um, you know, shoot. That's, that's my passion. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Um, you know, always on the computer editing or always, um, on Instagram kind of like posting. So there is a little bit of balance there. Um, that was definitely a hard balance to find. So, you know, like, man, my internet cannot keep up with me backing up my files because every time it's almost finished, I have like 300 photos. It's like, this is never read. But yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. So what like, you know, like I see like some of your like latest photos. Um, I mean, like here in the Rockies, you know, um, all the ski hills starting to open, which was amazing. And man, that photo is from your, um, from the opening of, um, both Norway and um, um, Lake Louise was just spot on. Um, you know, I like that shot That's with Brundle at the background and stuff. Um, so, how, what, what, how do you get inspired on this? You know, what, what, like, what, how do you vision this um, shots and stuff? Um, I think a lot of it is just exploration of the mountain itself in terms of actually being here as a local. I mean, this is my fifth winter in the Bow Valley. Um, I was lucky enough to get my permanent residency a couple of years ago. So from that perspective, uh, actually going out and being present on the hills, skiing the same run, but 
multiple times throughout the season, you're going to see changes in light. You're going to ski the line differently because of the people that are on the hill. So they're going to force you to move in different ways. And as a result, you, you just spot different things. I was on the chair at Norquay yesterday afternoon and I noticed that around 2 p.m. there's a really nice shadow that's cast over part of the valley um, from Sulphur Mountain and the valley that runs between Sulphur and Rundle and the way in which that, that sort of cast this golden light into the valley and it lights up the Fairmont Bam Springs and the because we're not frozen yet here as the temperatures have gone a bit higher, the, uh, the river's still beautiful and turquoise. So uh, it was just something that I spotted and it was the briefest of moments because of the way in which the chair was moving versus the landscape passing me. And the shot, I would have needed maybe a second and a half to shoot it. And I had my long lens out ready to try and capture that particular image that I'd, I'd seen. And it had already gone by the time I was set up with my camera. So I rode down, got back on the chair to do it again. And by the time I was ready and in position, the shadow would move. So it just shows that actually, like, sometimes it's just a moment and it's quite nice to actually just experience it rather than capture it. Um, but it also shows how changeable the environment is and how I think your photography depends on, a, a, like, sort of a, a portion of luck as well instead of just getting the right particular uh, conditions and being in the right place at the right time. But... Uh, Back to your point, sorry, I digressed there a little bit. Um, but I, I actually am on the Ski Big 3 Ambassador team. So uh, I've been on that for three years now. So the partnership there is that they give me the ability to ski here in the Rockies. Uh, I get a ski pass for that. And in exchange, uh, I help them create engaging content to showcase the best of the Rockies, you know. Um, and part of that ambassadorship program is to really just try and sort of engage people with things beyond just the let's hook backflips, which I posted backflips the other day, so I can't say anything about that, but you know, just the all encompassing nature of the Bow Valley and the, whether it's family skiing with young kids doing it for the first time. We had our, our friend out with his seven month old on the, on the slopes the other day and, being able to capture that kind of moment, which is, it's never going to um, sort of be engaging content as far as Instagram is concerned. But for them in that particular moment, that's a moment they're never going to get again. That's the first time he was ever on skis and being able to send that to a friend and just show uh, the progression. So when he's 18 and he's sat watching movie nights with his dad of photographs of them skiing back in, 2020 it'll be you know that'll be a moment for them and that was that's a real big part of it for me just being able to sort of capture people and make them sort of happy in in terms of that they've got something to be able to show for what they're doing here in the Rockies so yeah oh, awesome like um totally like um I mean you know like um a lot of us especially landscape photographers um or uh, people who um just got into landscape photography um, think that we need to go to a different place to be able to capture all these different beautiful photos. But you just, you know, point out one of the most important thing is that, you know, the, the condition around us would change and um, you could take advantage of that if you just open your eyes and approach 
appreciate surrounding you, you know. It doesn't always have to be the sunset, like the dramatics. Like, uh, I was gonna, <laughs> I probably should say the same. It was like, <laughs> I just got a couple of dramatic sunrise and sunset, so I can't really say about that. But, um, you know, like, I, like here in the Rockies, um, I'm a horrible morning person. So, <laughs> like, when I go for a <laughs> <Me> sunrise, <too. laughs> right? So I almost never go for a sunrise and sunset is a lot more difficult here. Um, I find it uh, yep. because of the mountain mm -hmm. range, right? So, you know, like exactly. I have to do something like, you know, even though during the day, just find the beauty around, around the area. And also it doesn't always have to be the big landmark. Go look deeper, right? Like you say, like, you know, like you might be out there um, shooting, um, action photography with uh, your friends who's skiing but your friend was there with um his baby and then you know like you capture that moment and you basically preserve that for the rest of you know your life as long as you don't lose the photo obviously <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, that's yeah. that's amazing yeah yeah i think it's um you know it's that's that's partially like having a uh, a selection of as I'm sure you know like carrying so much in your backpack I mean I've got my backpack here with me because I just thought this might be a handy thing to be able to sort of uh, give people an idea be my next there. question so that's great <laughs> well there you go okay so let me ping this down a little for you and then you can get an idea okay so D750 with a Sigma R 24 to 70 mm -hmm. so that's like that's work generally ways in really beautiful for videography uh captures beautiful bokeh for doing portraiture um i especially like it for the point of view of when i'm shooting uh, at the longer end of this at 70 mil uh you can really capture ice crystals when people are skiing and it just i feel like the color rendition that comes through from this is probably my favorite of everything that I have, even compared to the Nikon stuff. Uh, so that's generally what is on my camera it's all the time. 24-70, like, damn, Sigma yeah. got big lens. I know. And then <laughs> I have a, one, this is my least used lens for ski photography, but uh, it's a 14 to 24. So super wide angle, uh, really nice, Sun stars from this. I mean, it's amazing for low light conditions. Uh, this tends to be what I would use for most of my landscape photography, especially if I'm doing like focus stacks, because I find that the the plane of focus is really shallow, so it allows me to do a 15 image stack and create really crisp images. Perfect for blowing up and printing big. Um, and then my 70 to 200, which is a, a Tamron G2. Uh, I actually bought this just before we got hit with COVID because we were going to Nepal and I wasn't happy with uh, my um, sort of adventure photography lens, which I had, which was a 28 to 300. Yeah. I was just, I was seeing flaws in the images and as nice as it was to not be carrying 10 kilos of camera gear and just to be carrying three. Um, I was like, well, well, I'm still carrying three kilos and I'm not happy with the images. So let's just add an extra seven and make sure that I'm actually happy with sort of what's becoming. But I mean, this is a, an absolutely beautiful portrait lens. Um, 
the compression I get with this for doing mountain shots with skiers and bringing everything into sort of a bit more of a, uh, a compressed perspective is beautiful. Uh, again, I would say that I prefer the, uh, the colors that come out of this compared to the Nikon range, as much as this is sort of the, one of the flagship Nikon lenses. I actually prefer the, the Tamron for that. So uh, yeah, that's what I carry with me for a, an average day skiing along with, with 10 batteries because it's cold, especially in Alberta. <laughs> so you actually carry all those just um, like yeah. when you go like, geez. Exactly. So this is my ski bag and then it's 70% camera with a little bit of uh, with a little bit of extra for layers and food. I was going to say, so what, how big is your pack when you go back country? Uh, so, I mean, this one's a 42, a 42 litre. So, I, and I would still carry those three with me. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, by the time you've chucked all your avalanche gear and your first aid. And, exactly. Um, extra layers and stuff. I mean, it's probably, yeah, it's probably... 15 to 20 kilos so it's a it's a heavy pack yeah but um yeah i mean i i'm I, i'm not i'm definitely not somebody that's going touring and doing 3,000 meters vertical every day mm -hmm. um yeah there's uh, i'm not that crazy but <laughs> if i if i was to be doing a trip like that then i'd definitely be sort of slimming down on what i was taking with me but for the moment this is manageable um i'd say my back might have other uh uh, ideas about that when I get home at the end of a long day, but <laughs> that that is crazy. Like um, you know, to carry that every time you go out and um, skiing, like especially in a resort, most people don't even want to carry a small backpack, let alone you know that big of backpack. So um, yeah, that's that's amazing to like you know that your passion is there so much that you push you to um, take that extra step to um, carry all that gear. Um, Usually when I go skiing, if I do take like uh, my camera, I'll probably take one less, probably either the 2470 or the 7200. I was like, which day it is today? And yeah. then, you know, cut which my I life. also like, I do agree with you. I also like doing because that forces you to look at this, the landscape differently as well. You take one lens out with you, especially a 72 to 200, for example, and that's going to really change your perspective as to what you're looking for. And you are, more selective about trying to shoot a particular image because work with that focal length. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that that is a nice thing to do sometimes. And there will be days where I'll just take out one specific lens, but more often than not, I'm always worried about, Oh, well, what if I get all the way there and then the conditions are good for this particular. So uh, I've always been, I've always been an overpacker, whether it's ski, ski photography or whether it's going on holiday. I'm that guy with three bags because you never know. That's, <laughs> so. yeah, that, that's really funny. Cause I, I'm the same. I, um, it's, it's, it's better to suffer. Um, you know, have your bag suffer with all the weights compared to being out there up there and have that perfect condition but don't have the lens for it is that how you feel yeah yeah well there's been days where i've hiked and then i've done like i don't know we'll do um like a, a peak in the canonascus we might do tent ridge for sunset and they get all the way up there 
I've driven an hour and a half from Banff and then it's taken me an hour and a half to hike up to the back of the horseshoe. I'm up there, lights looking good. And I'm like, I really should have brought my tripod. Why did I not bring my tripod? It's down in the van. I, I drove all the way out here. Why didn't I bring it? Because I, I was feeling fat and I was like, oh, I'll bring an extra sandwich instead of the tripod. And I should have just eaten the sandwich and then brought the tripod with the fuel that I had just eaten. But there you go. So there's definitely been situations where I've regretted not bringing something with me. So I think learning from that is, yeah, you just pack yourself up and just suck it up, buttercup. It's, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, it was going to be my, uh, my next question was like, you know, like where, like, where's your motivation and that, but yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. It's, uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, uh, hard work for your back when you carry that much, um, that much, um, gear on your back. Um, it is. especially when you it have, makes the it makes the summit sandwich all that much tastier though, <laughs> when you get there and then you're like, okay, that's it. <laughs> And for some reason, some of my girlfriends are vegetarian and um, I've always enjoyed meat. But uh, yeah, we uh, it seems to be nowadays where it's just like cheese and cucumber sandwiches. And I get to the top and I'm uh, all the way up. I've been thinking, God, why am I just like doing this for a cheese and cucumber sandwich? Like, <laughs> I must be mad. And then you get up there and honestly, it's the, it's the tastiest thing. So cheese and cucumber, folks. <laughs> yeah it's, it's really funny when you go up hiking the, the things that you like and the things that you don't like just totally change that definition just totally change yeah once you once you, you you hike up all that you know elevation gain and kilometers you just go oh this is really really nice <laughs> mm-hmm. well the amount of times that you're spending out in the mountains at night whether it's shooting aurora and the uh neowise up on tent ridge or going up on the tower of babel and shooting astro photography like what's what's your go-to sandwich i well i actually don't usually even bring sandwich i usually just go cliff bar cliff bar oh you see i used to love cliff bars and now nowadays i'm just like i don't know like if I think if somebody paid me to eat Cliff Bars from the amount that I've eaten over the past few years, I'm just like, nah, I'm okay. okay. I I to tell you the truth, I don't like Cliff Bars, um, but like you say, when I'm hiking up, it's tasty. Like it's it means to an end. Rice, yeah, that's it. Like um, I usually have those um rice crispy thing um snack like snack pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah that mm-hmm. thing is really nice. Like especially when you get the caramel one or the chocolate one. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, so nice. So I would go with the Cliff Bar, right? And then like you know have this the the rice as like the dessert. It's the sweet treat at the end. To kind of wash wash it all up, but yeah, like. Oh man, that's awesome. Thanks a lot for like sharing your, um, you know, your passion and your journey in photography. But look, um, one last question that I want to ask you, um, you know, since here we're talking about action photography, um, what, what will be, if there is one thing you could give in terms of advice for someone who want to do a bit more of this, right? One thing that would give them the biggest benefit whether or not it's um you know how to look or how to use your camera what would it be um so i'm going to try and address this to specifically people that can shoot in manual mode just from the point of view that i think that that's probably going to encompass most of your listeners mm-hmm. um yeah for sure is uh, 
have a really good understanding of the exposure triangle. I think that's the base foundation for being able to think on the spot quickly because action photography things happen so fast. You've got somebody skiing at you at 90 miles an hour, sorry, 160 Ks an hour. We'll do it North American for you. <laughs> coming out of me. But um, having that basic understanding of how to balance things and then knowing what is your priority in that situation. Do you want to blur motion to create a sense of movement within the image? Do you want to freeze motion? So first, first and foremost for me is always shutter speed when I'm shooting ski photography. Yeah. Um, then depending on the lighting conditions, I will choose my aperture. Um, I like it if I can to try and shoot at 2.8, just for the pure look of the image. I, for me in my eye, I, I really like that separation within an image for the, the bokeh and the, the drawing, especially if I'm laid on a ski slope and my belly's on the, on the snow and I'm trying to sort of create some depth to draw you into the image. I like an out of focus foreground to focus more on the subject and give that sense of scale. Um, and then my ISO will always be, try to be at a hundred just to sort of minimize any uh, extra sort of uh, pixelation within there and try and sort of keep the image as crisp as possible. So for me, yeah, if you can learn that exposure triangle, triangle and you can understand it, then you, you're not gonna go wrong. But that translates to so many different styles of photography as well. But I think it's a real core understanding that'll make you better because it just allows you to think on the spot in situations and um, yeah, and create better images as a result and create the image that you picture in your head and you can actually translate that into an image versus trying to shoot it, but it not coming out as you necessarily hoped, which still happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. We're not, we are not experts. I was trying to shoot a skier yesterday at Norquay and the amount of times he came down and I was kind of, we, we weren't in a shoot together. He was just skiing very well. He was a ski instructor there and I would um, try and shoot him as I was passing, but because there was zero communication between us, he wasn't skiing in a particular line that I would want him to and he would pass me differently every time, but his form and everything was great. So if I could actually physically capture the image of him, it would have been great, but the communication there is uh, is also key. So I think that's having for action photography, whether it be hiking, skiing, snowboarding, whatever. So having a good set of people around you that are willing to take the time to sort of listen to you harp on about turn where I throw the snowball. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it, uh, it certainly takes commitment and a lot of patience from them as well. And it might be three laps before you get the image you actually want to create. So... Yeah. Exposure triangle, folks. Well, there you go. Well, you know, like, thanks a lot for sharing that. Um, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, um, social media have this way of um, kind of giving you a false impression that that photo is the only photo that you take that, you know, you, you get it straight away. I mean, you know, I've, I've shot over 150,000 photos. Um, I know because my... Um, <laughs> my backup keep reminding me and I got like 50,000 mm -hmm. laughs like thanks <laughs> and um yeah like it's uh like you say like um you know um the other day I was shooting the moon and <laughs> the first thing I was shot it's just like 
what is this? It's just overexposed and, and all that stuff. And then I had to actually think back. It's like, okay, what was the, um, you know, go back to the exposure triangle. How do I make this right? And how do I fix that? And I think you're absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely right, especially when you're shooting action photography because you ha- only have that split second, right? <laughs> Once you miss that split second, you kind of just miss the whole moment. So. I mean, the best part about it is if you scheme with somebody that you know, you can be like, right, take your skis off, walk back up, do it again. And they hate you by the end of the day. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always shooting on sort of like uh, uh, like uh, high shutter mode where I'm shooting seven frames a second or whatever, because that's what the D750 will do. Um, and still, like, I might miss a particular moment, especially if I'm shooting with manual mode versus... Uh, so for, for focus versus trying to use like sort of focus tracking because focus tracking really also depends on how fast that ski is going. If you've got a nice cruisy skier, it'll work perfectly. If you've got somebody blasting past you at 160 Ks an hour, then yeah, you're, you're very lucky if you get one. So that's when I'll generally opt for manual mode and then you pick a spot, you hope that they're going to turn there and then they don't. And it's like... <laughs> Okay, well, we didn't get the image and we shot 200 frames trying to do it. So um, I suppose there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that everybody doesn't necessarily uh, understand with the the post-processing side of it. But trying to just keep it as real as you can, I think, avoids that uh, pull of, you mentioned Instagram and other forms of social media and trying to avoid getting pulled down that dark hole where you're creating for other people's enjoyment versus actually just creating what you want to do for yourself. Because I think if you do that and people like it, it's a lot more genuine than it is used in Photoshop and sky replacement to yeah, just make everything the yeah. biggest sunset you've ever seen. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I mean, like, you know, we do photography for ourselves. We do it. We start doing photography for ourselves because we like it. We like the feeling. And then all of a sudden, you know, along the line, it's so easy to to lose that way, right? So, yeah, it's good mm-hmm. that you mentioned that. All right. Well, um, thanks a lot, Will, for, um, like, you know, joining me on this podcast. Um, well, you know, if um, people want to find you, where, where do they find you? Where, where's the best place to find you? Uh, probably on uh, one of the ski hills. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Here in the Rockies, there's, uh, like, so many of them. There are. Uh, no, so um, for uh, for my sins, my Instagram is at WJL photo, uh, or you can just search for Will Lambert and you'll find my face. So, uh, and then um, on Facebook, I do have a Facebook page, which tends to be more of my landscape photography style. Um, and that's Will Lambert Photography. Uh, as is my website, willlambertphotography.com. Uh, I've got some interesting stuff coming up on there um, in the pipeline in November, which is sort of going back to the roots of our uh, hiking trip in Nepal that we did this uh, March before we had to flee the country for COVID. So if you uh, if you fancy an interesting read on a snowy day, then uh, yeah, get onto my website and there'll be a Nepal blog going up there relatively soon. Wow, so you actually went to Nepal? You actually, yeah, had- yeah, we. Oh wow, I thought we you were going. Uh, no, we were uh, we were at Everest Base Camp when um, they told us that Nepal was shutting its borders in two days and nobody was going to be let in or out, so we had to f- flee the country. 
So you know, that's oh. uh, that's maybe a that's maybe a chat for another day. <laughs> Jeez, that is insane! Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're gonna wrap it up, yeah. but um, yeah. Um, well, thanks a lot for um, you know, joining us, and look for all the listeners. Um, thank you very much for listening, and um, you know, just remember, um, don't forget to take photo for yourself. Um, as much as we like to get the likes, you know, I never really. I don't really say that, you know, don't go for the likes because, you know what, I like the likes too. I like that, um, you know, <laughs> a, a, um, a sense of, um, you know. Um, Put that on a t-shirt. Ex- exactly. So I like um, likes. That's okay. <laughs> like, you know, do for the likes too, but just don't overdo it. Have a little bit balance, you know, and remember why, why you take photo in the first place. All right. Well, um, I'll catch you guys next week, Weekend Hunters, and hopefully you guys have a good week.